nigga live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Winning game four, at least pride-wise, made me feel good because you don't ever want to get swept. I'm indifferent to him, whether or not he signs it. I'll be uh, hitting Milwaukee for the next five years. If you ask me, can the Bucks win game five? I put it at 40% confidence, yes. To think that, that a season is championship or bust is is um, certainly not the way we've approached it. At this point, we don't know what's going to happen. You can get game six. You can steal it. Championship or bust. Winning game six and seven. Championship or bust. I don't think they're going to win the whole series, but... There is no enjoyment with this team. Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 107. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of brewhoop.com. Delighted to be reunited with my fellow co-hosts, Kyle Carr and Riley Feldman. Fellas, how are we doing? We're doing good. We're still champions. Nobody's taken that away from us, even though our summer league team did the best they could to tarnish their reputation. Uh, And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I feel a little torn up about the fact that we handed them the crown to say, take good care of this. And everybody not named Sandro, Sandro... the Sandman. I'm not going to try his last name right now. That'll be for later. They failed us, but I'm I'm doing good otherwise. I am just exhausted. It it feels like it's been so long since the three of us potted, and yet nothing really significant happened at the same time. So it's like, yeah, we haven't needed to rush the pod, but it otherwise things have been good. I don't know. Like went to a bachelor party. I somehow um, thought I could be 22 again and. Nope, I cannot. So that was a good uh, revelation. But otherwise, it's just really humid and hot, and I've been—I'm sick of summer. Like I, I think now that I'm an adult, summer sucks. Like there's little benefits of summer as a season, and I'm going to stand were, by that. Were you guys the type? Once we got to August, when we were school kids, I would be like, I'm done with this break crap. I'd be like, I'd run out of things to do. I was the type who was like, I love going school supply shopping. I'd like get excited. I'd like set up my agenda. Like I got this class and this class and this class. I got really excited for when like school came back around. Cause, cause there's only so, so many days I can just sit around at home or like effing around in the neighborhood for, I'm like, okay, let's go back and do something else, please. No, because the thing I, because the nice thing with summer was I could just do my own thing, and then when school came back around, I was like, I now am constrained to this building that I don't want to be in for nine hours a day for five days a week, and it it sucks. So no, I was never like once college. Once I got to college, that was a little bit different, but I don't. I I can't say I was ever super stoked about school coming back. I don't know. I didn't run on. I. I mean, I was so busy working on the farm in the summers, you That's know, true. that I just like I. When I had spare minutes to myself, um, I obviously had to play it shut inside, playing Metroid Prime on my GameCube or something <laughs> like that. So, um, speaking of working hard in the summer, how there about the Milwaukee Bucks summer league team? Got went one and four, <laughs> and sort of just a, a good like. On a, some things change with us. Some things stay the same with this mm-hmm. Milwaukee Bucks organization. And it, it seems only fitting that after the championship, we have a team that goes one and four. Coach Patrick St. Andrews, um, I, I was certainly put out his best effort, I guess, with a, with a team full of guys. At the very least, I know Summer League is not always the uh, the best basketball, but at the very least this year, we did have more than like one player that was worth watching. We So a couple players that are of interest to Bucks fans, of course, are Jordan Wara, 
Sandro Mamukelishvili, Georgios Kalatzakis. I'll just say George, um, Georgios, and then Mamadi Diakite. So at least there's four players between two-way players, recent draft picks, undrafted players that we've been getting lately that signed on. Um, I watched all of the games. Um, they were, I think the, oh God, I can't remember which one was worse, but the, the best one was probably the Denver Nuggets game, the last one. I know not many people were sticking around for then. Um, Kyle, you watched some of the games. Did you have any takeaways? Uh, you know, it was kind of funny because I watched the full first one against the Clippers, which is the only one they won. I was like, okay, this is nice. This is helpful. Cool. Yes, I am. You know, it was kind of nice, like getting some kind of basketball. It was whatever. The expectations were low. And then um, the Timberwolves one where they're getting the doors blown off them. I was like, okay, I don't need to. I don't need to keep doing this. Like, this is not. <laughs> this is not worth the time and effort anymore. <laughs> like, I can't continue with it. But there were definitely some um, good things. Like Sandro's. I, I was very impressed with Sandro. I thought he was going to be a defensive liability and yet he was serviceable like he was fine you know um yeah Yorgos Yorgos um he was okay nothing too special it seems like if he can get to the rim that's gonna be his one skill that he's got Jordan Wara lit, had the greenest of lights he was basically on the Autobahn <laughs> it was that green um <laughs> so there was definitely good and bad with that and Diakite I had said I don't know if you can win your job in summer league, but you could definitely lose it. And Diakite was showing a lot of times that maybe you're going to lose your job because of your summer league performance. I was underwhelmed to say the least. I, I thought he had a bad summer league. It, and even like the last game, he was okay, but it was still for a guy that everyone was hyping up and making it seem like we should give him regular rotation minutes. Um, there is nothing there to tell me that he should get rotation minutes next year. And same with Jordan War. Like, if Jordan War can't defend, it's going to be really hard to justify having him out there. Uh, I must fully admit, I didn't watch a single minute of Summer League. I watched the highlight package of Sandro after the fact. And it was interesting because he, like, fit the bill of guy who does everything. He's like tall Dante. He's like, I do a little bit of everything out here, but, like, nothing, <laughs> <laughs> nothing like, at a really high level. So I'm curious, with guys like that, it's always tough. It's like, how... Are you going to refine their skill set to be useful? Because he is not going to maybe maybe we struck the goldest of gold and he's gonna turn into something crazy. But assuming he doesn't, trying to refine the skill set into something more useful for the seat, like you know, whatever, for the actual team. Uh that's the big question there. Everybody else I have no uh real thoughts on. But I do have to ask, Adam, since he watched every game, was this one of those sneaky teams that they played a little bit better than their record would show, did you think? God, no, no, this sucks. <laughs> It was one in four is accurate. That's a pretty fair <laughs> record. You know, in. they almost blew that Clippers game, and honestly, if they had ended five, zero oh and five, that would have been fair. It it was really bad. I, Kyle's so right. the The arc of summer league is the same every year, even after a championship. There's like the first game where you're like, oh, I could use a little basketball. You watch it, it's awful, and then you're like, ah, I guess I'll watch maybe part of the second, and just dwindling in terms of interest from there. That's the saddest part about the best game being the Nuggets game. Um, no, this this team really sucked. I mean, at the very <laughs> least, we had some players we could watch. Like 2019, for for my money, was the worst Bucks Summer League team I've ever had to watch. Their 11.30 tip against the China national team, East Coast time, was <laughs> probably the worst game I've ever had to cover. Um, but, I, I mean, I got to say, I got a little love affair with Sandro Obamukilishvili. I mean, I... I 
I don't tweet often, but I tweeted out. I, this would warrant a tweet. He was my favorite Bucks summer league player to watch since Malcolm Brogdon in 2016. Mostly because he had some really awesome passes. Like, if there's nothing else, that was the, the thing that looked like it, it it shined out a little bit. He had decent court vision. No idea if he can actually drive against actual players. I'm pretty doubtful of that. He also missed basically every three-pointer until the last game when he hit a couple. Missed every single one short, so at least it was on target. So we got that. Um, so he was by far my favorite player to watch. Jordan Wara, tough to watch him just chuck up jumpers. Maybe he was tired. I don't know, but it was really, really bad after the first game. And if he's supposed to be a volume, like volume scorer is not necessarily microwave scorer is one of my least favorite basketball archetypes. And I, right now he can score, but only if given incredible volume, uh, Georgios, I have no idea. Probably won't be on the team after next year. And then Mamadi, I would be surprised if he's on the team, but I liked watching Sandro, so at least there's I that. I think Diakite will still be on the team because it's either him or Elijah Bryant, and I feel like it'll be him. I, I, I think it'll be Diakite. I feel, I think that think that's one of the questions, but I don't know. Yorgos is definitely going to be the guy where I'm like, maybe I should get invested in this because this is he's either going to be serviceable or we're going to forget about next year, and I think I just need to attach. I'm just going to hitch my wagon to that horse. I got nothing else. If we got the championship, I got to find something ridiculous to get overly obsessed about. So maybe, maybe Yorgos will be that guy. But Sandro is entertaining. So if I am ever going to Wisconsin Herd game and he is there, he's got my full attention. I think what stood out was it was just, it was, it was very, very, it's always harsh, but it was a very harsh whiplash going from the NBA Finals basketball and then <laughs> li- trying to translate literally anything I saw on the court in Summer League and imagining them doing one of those things in the playoffs. Um, difficult to see. Hey, I, I will say if Jordan war gets in the playoff game, we know he's going to shoot that. That is the one thing. Yeah. Yes, we do. You are right about that. Kyle. Cr- I couldn't believe his green light. It was crazy. Um, it was, the, it was so <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Speaking of giving the green light, um, the owners gave a uh, horse, the green light to give Mike Budenholzer a three-year contract extension through the 2024, 25 season. Uh, Basically expected, not too surprised. I don't know. Any feelings one way or the other, Riley? Uh, no, I always find this whole thing hilarious because, like, the contract didn't happen five seconds after the title was won. So everyone was like, oh, are they – is there something? Could it be? Maybe. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> does this with coaches' contracts. I don't understand why. But, uh, no, I think um, – if you are one of literally two coaches in the 50 plus years this franchise has been around who has brought this team a title, uh, you know, it's probably worthwhile bringing me back. I know there will be probably some very small segment because the Firebud Avies, they, they did exist. We were very close to, we were playing footsie with Rick Carlisle, for God's sake. So I think there's still a small portion of everybody's uh, mental space that's like, is Mike Boonholzer really going to be like consistently good enough? But I think he showed enough in this playoff run between really tightening up his rotations. He didn't like overreact too much one way or the other to one of his guys struggling. Um, his timeouts were really good as in-game management. So I think all things considered, the question for a coach is like, if you fire Boonholzer, who the hell are you going to bring in that's going to be better than Boonholzer? And I have a hard time, given everything, like his management of the team, his relationship with the players, imagining somebody else that like comes off the top of my head here. So... Uh, well-deserved. Good for you, bud. And uh, yeah, it's cool. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want a title, you should get a contract extension. Like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it seems fair. You know, you, you did your job. You won a title. Yes, reward the man. And it's interesting that this will basically get him through Chris's contract, Drew's contract, and most of I think Giannis will still have one or two years after. So it's kind of like a, well, if you want to just completely reset, that would be the perfect time to do it is at the end of this contract. So that kind of works out for everyone involved. And unless Boonholzer decides to, he wants to be out, as long as the Bucks are title contenders, he's not going to get fired. So, I mean, he's probably going to – he's just sitting on house money right now. So, unless he wants to leave, I don't see it, – it made sense for everyone. I have no problem with it. I feel like if you do have a problem with it, you're just trying to get clout for trying to be some dumbass and whatever you, you do you. But, no, I, I think it was fine. I've seen nothing wrong with it. I think it's well-deserved. Yeah, kudos to Bud. I mean, I, I I can't quibble with it. We'll see. I'll be I'll be interested to see <clears throat> if he falls short in any of these other years. How quickly the fan base turns on him. That'll be it'll kinda... be literally game two of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be halfway through point. the first quarter when Kevin Durant gets like four <laughs> yeah. threes. Yeah. And yes. I, and speaking of that, that will also everybody will be talking about PJ Tucker. You know, P, we wouldn't be Kevin Durant wouldn't have twenty points in the first half if PJ Tucker was here. So the as demonstrated by the free agency period, the honeymoon period for this title is already shut. It's been sealed. It's not opening up again. It is game on the second the season starts again, which, you know, that's Bucks. That's, that's Bucks fandom. You know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Maybe. I God. I would. <laughs> oh God, I would. I that would be wonderful. Would. Yeah. Hold their feet to the fire. All right. Well, uh, the schedule got released. Two marquee games where they faced the Brooklyn Nets opening night. Boston Celtics on Christmas was doing anything for you, Kyle. I mean, it, I kind of want to go to the Nets opening night, mainly for the ring ceremony and the banner. It, it's not the, like, it'll be cool. I want to go. It's not a, it's not that big of a deal after that. And Christmas at home, it'd be cool to go to a Christmas game. Um, now that I have a child whose birthday is on Christmas, I don't know how well that's going to go over <laughs> for the first couple of years until he's mm-hmm. old enough to maybe want to go as well. But, I mean, I guess the Celtics are a team that is on Christmas. I don't know why the Celtics are on it, honestly. they It would have made more sense to have the Suns have a finals rematch, or you could have done the Nets. But, sure, let's just throw a bum-ass franchise like the Celtics who haven't <laughs> done anything in the last 30 years, really. Okay, sure. Whatever gets your viewers, no one's going to want to watch this game because we have blown it over within the first five minutes. But okay, I uh, very similar feelings. I think everybody's already pointed out the poetic justice of James Harden having to watch Giannis get his ring and raise the banner, which is so sweet. I think there's a very real possibility that James Harden does a Houston 2.0. Not that he's going to force his way out of Brooklyn, but he's going to show up 60 pounds overweight that he won't be able to like in condition to play so that he doesn't have to go on the road trip. Uh, so I'm expecting that. And I also agree with Kyle. When I saw it was the Celtics, I'm like, that is so disrespectful of the league. They're going to give us what is going to be probably a fringe playoff team to be like our marquee matchup. How disrespectful. Uh, so yeah, it, I haven't looked really much else at the rest of the schedule. I'm looking forward to whenever they play in Minnesota. I get to do my usual <laughs> sojourn down the street. So I'm looking forward. I to actually that. have those. I actually had those dates. Um, I forgot it now, but I had it. One game's on a Tuesday, I think, and one is on a Saturday. Okay. But let me. I'll quickly check. But yeah, they'll definitely be in Minnesota early. 
I'm hoping yeah, for the it's Tuesday like, game. It's literally so. like the second week of the season. No, wait. The second week of the season, they're home on the 27th of October. Okay. okay. And then they go to Minnesota in March. March 19th. Oh, yeah. It's the day after my birthday. So it will be March 19th, 4 p.m. tip off. Oh, <laughs> so. my God. <laughs> All Happy right, birthday! Well, I might be up there yeah, for that. That's gonna I'll, be a, that's gonna be a birthday celebration. We'll definitely possibly. connect for that. That's the only other game I really care about, really, in terms of the grand scheme of the season. Yeah, I, I Nets are fun. I would have preferred the Sixers on Christmas, just because I think it's more fun when we face the Sixers. Uh, I think the rivalry is a lot better with them. I don't really care about the Celtics, uh, so I guess the only other date I care about is when they're in Philly. That'll be kind of fun. Uh, last bit of business before we get to the mailbag. Giannis Antetokounmpo, now a minority owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. How's that feel? Uh, how's that feel? The cross-pollination of fandom, Kyle? I mean, now that all that's left is Christian Yelich has to get some ownership stock in the Green Bay Packers, and it'll come full circle, I guess. Um, no, it's good. I think it's cool to see Giannis you know, continue to invest in the city of Milwaukee and show that he is very, very committed to the city itself. I think that's kind of a cool thing. I think it's good to see him get into some ownership. Like, obviously, he's not going to have really any say at all, but the fact that he's got that on there, it's good for the Brewers as well to get that, you know, attention, especially with how their season's going. It's kind of like a nice, like, all right, we're good, and we have Giannis signed on as an owner. It's not a big deal, but it's just cool. It's a cool thing. Um, I don't think it's really going to matter, but when you have positive news, you, you take it. I find it very interesting that he's the first like outside Antanasio guy who got a stake. Um, Kyle's right that it's more, I mean, I could not imagine Giannis calling the shots at all, having any, could you imagine you're trying to have a serious conversation about baseball moves and Giannis is like there in a bucket hat with that. Like, <laughs> like, with the know. AEW title. <laughs> So uh, I assume it's mostly a vanity slash investment, but uh, still very cool. Uh, I think there was like some news that he first approached uh, Antanasio or the team about talking about it like last year, even before he hit free agency, which is like, oh, he probably didn't really ever intend on leaving in the first place anyhow. So uh, it's all cool. More Giannis at Brewers games is always cool. Uh, and, you know, there's good synergy between all the teams right now. It just notches up in the good synergy, uh, you know, whatever column. Yeah, fun. It was fun seeing the clips of him and his brother and his kid at the at that one game in their box, rooting him on. I think the Brewers came back in that one. I, I honestly have not paid almost any attention to the Brewers this year, but they are really freaking good this year. Like, it's pretty awesome. Like, the Brewers are really freaking good. Now I just need to hope that it carries over to the playoffs. That's like the one. It's still a mental barrier, but. No, they're good this year. I mean, they lost twice to the Twins over the weekend, but they won today, so that's fine. Well, good good time for Giannis to bandwagon on then for the <laughs> Brewers. All right, let's move on to the mailbag. As you could tell, we wanted to get to the mailbag pretty quickly. The rest of the stuff we were kind of just glazing over. Thank you to everyone in the Brew Hoop comments who left us a bunch of questions. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. They are very, very helpful because we did. these guys did not want to spend a full hour on Summer League <laughs> Breakdown. So this is this will be much, much more enjoyable. So let, let's start with some big picture questions. This one's from Harms. Uh, he was just wondering about sharing our favorite moments from the last season, the highs and lows of both the regular season and the postseason. Um, so I, I was just kind of curious if you guys have personal highs and lows. I think we've talked about it on some previous podcasts, but with some more time to reflect on it. Um, have you? Do you have any personal highs or lows, Kyle? 
I, I think for the postseason, the high is easily going to be game three of the finals, being able to go to that. Like I've said, like the fact that I was able to go to an NBA finals game was cool. The fact that I was going to bring my family was cool. Like I said, even if the kids won't remember, they won't remember it. They can at least say they went. So that's going to be a high for me uh, for the regular season. I would say that comeback against Philly, just because the Bucks were playing so god-awfully terrible, and then they come back and win, and Giannis sits on their logo at, at half court. It was... That if there was a sign that like okay maybe this team can do it that game was that sign it was I, it's always funny just seeing that comeback considering how bad they were lows um the postseason was definitely game five <laughs> it was definitely game five of these of uh, the that series like that was I'm not saying I had some everyone like the bucks got a clean house and just completely hit the restart button articles ready to go but i was definitely working on it that night um let's just say everyone not named Giannis was on the cutting block um it was great it was fun and for the regular season i honestly think it was like i i did not enjoy the regular season that much because of the discourse of like okay Giannis signed a supermax which was cool but now it just became the team can't win a title. Why can't this? Like it just, it seemed like everyone kept finding reasons why they couldn't win a title, and it just got very boring, very annoying, just toxic. So I, I would say those are my highs and lows. Uh, in terms of highs, so like all the postseason stuff is pretty well known. I think everybody pretty much shares a lot of the same highs and lows. Uh, regular season, the. Uh, I don't know, I think I want to say it was like a Saturday afternoon game against the Clippers where we had that oh, yeah. closing sequence that was just like, okay, this team, I don't think I recall us doing something similar to that the two years previous or even like any time off the top of my head. So to have them do that sort of closing sequence uh, and the Clippers who were a team that were like essentially going to be on the rise or whatever. So I like that. Uh, totally hosing the heat and setting a league record for made threes and then TNT going, cutting away in the second half, which was just, it was the craziest. I could, I was bewildered. I was like, what is happening? They would go, Sam Merrill would make a three and they cut away to some other, <laughs> other team. Uh, but I, it was a high for like saying the record and also getting that immediate revenge against Miami. And like, you know, that all played out later on. Uh, and then it was my third high. I had th- third high here. Oh, the, uh, the Christmas day, Christmas, Christmas Day game. Uh, yes, we played the Warriors, and it was like the earliest game of the day, and that oh, sucked. Oh, yeah. I forgot but there was a Christmas game. <laughs> the fact that we were able to play back in our home arenas, I thought that was really nice because the bubble was not the most fun watching experience. And then also just, just to see the team working through things, like immediately Drew Holiday on Steph Curry, it was a revelation. Like right away, I was like, okay, this is a different thing entirely we're dealing with defensively. So those are like my three highs. Lows, uh, any sort of Tory Craig discourse after we traded that guy, uh, that, was, <laughs> that was pretty much my low. You know, Tory Craig would score like six points for the Suns somewhere, and everyone would be like, oh, man, could you imagine if we had that guy still on the team? So uh, that was probably my low for this team, <laughs> my overall low for the regular season. Oh, those Toronto games. You remember losing those those back to back Toronto Raptors games? Those sucked too. That was not fun. Yeah, was that was that part of the like five game losing streak? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, those yeah. are the ones that, that capped it. That was my low. Yep. Also, the period when Drew was out with COVID. That was really <laughs> forgot just, about that. <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. Um, highs. 
I had Giannis sitting on the Sixers court, so you took mine, Kyle. There was also that um, – I think there was the first game where Drew was actually out with COVID. It was like announced right before the game. I think it was against Denver, and we beat them by like 15 mm-hmm. or 18. That was a, that was like one of the better games of the regular season where we just like – we had everything coming. So that, that one looked really good. Uh, playoffs, a couple smaller ones. Game one, Miami. Uh, obviously, people know that. The win, but it was – God, there was just so much tension just getting the win. It was so freaking nice to get. I was like, okay, thank God. Because the loss would have just, I think it was over a weekend. The the discourse would have been terrible. It was a Saturday. It was Saturday afternoon. We were set up for some awful stuff. So we were set up for some awful stuff, everyone. We got saved there. Um, Brooke Lopez in game five of the uh, semifinal scoring 33 points. Kind of don't talk about it as much because Drew and Chris carried it, but that was just awesome. I don't know. I've always liked Brooke Lopez, and that was cool to see him do really well. I actually liked Game Three of the Nets series. I know everyone hated that one, but uh, I was, I had, I just needed them to pull it out, and I felt some faith after that one. So that was, uh, that was my other high for the playoffs. It was a lot. There was a lot of basketball. Having well, seventy-two games is still all blended together that quite a bit. Way so. too much. Way too much basketball in such a short time. Yeah, yeah it was a lot of basketball, but. They won the championship, and the next question is from, I don't know if it's was or was, I'm sorry, was or was, whatever it is. Uh, you had you had a lot of good questions. So he asked, with the championship won, does it ease the pressure on Giannis and company, and will our players play more confidently? Looking primarily at our big three, it's hard to quantify this, but how do you? What do you think, Kyle? Do you think there any sort of ability of the champ winning the championship will ease the pressure and help them play a little more freely? I I don't know if it necessarily. It's weird because I think now that that title is there, it takes out a lot of the conversation outside. So basically, I don't know if it eases the pressure because obviously they're going to want to go back and win again and win another title. Just as how your program, you win once, you want to win again. So I think in terms of that, I don't think it necessarily eases the pressure because I think the goal is still the same. But in terms of the discourse of the team, as like outside, I think it definitely reduces because now Giannis has his title there's not really much that you can pinpoint and say well he didn't do this or he didn't have this he's pretty much got it all so I I think in terms of how the discourse goes around Milwaukee that changes but in terms of the team itself I don't think it necessarily eases the pressure because they're still going to want to win a title they're still going to want to go out and get another championship but maybe they do play. I, I think Chris plays more confidently. I think this was really the big thing for Chris was him being able to say, I can easily take over games whenever I want. So maybe for him, it'll lead to more confidence, but I think Giannis will still play the same way. I think Drew's still going to play the same way. I don't think it necessarily changes, but I, I get the question, but I would say it's more the dis, the discourse outside of, the arena and like how people view and talk about Milwaukee. That's going to change really. Um, I think there will be next to no pressure because nobody in terms of like outside discourse is going to even want to talk about Milwaukee. Like we'll be the defending champs, but that we are not going to be a team that people are going to enjoy speaking about uh, because a lot of the medias are pointed more and more and more towards like whatever other arcs and storylines. Um, so I, I think there's going to be, yes, there is the pressure to repeat and there's going to be the inherent pressure of other teams like, oh, well, we can go out and beat the former champs or like the defending champs. But in terms of like internally to them, I think the pressure is totally off. 
Uh, I know Giannis probably hypes himself up. He's like, oh, I, you know, now let's go get two titles. Let's go get three. Let's get. So I, I appreciate that, but um, I, I think generally it's a huge sigh of relief for everybody. Like to go down two times and have crash out of playoffs and just finally get over the hump. That's huge for everybody involved. And then um, playing more confidently. I still assume Chris is going to be a streaky shooter. I think Drew is going to be very consistent. I think Giannis is the one that's going to play even more confidently because the stuff that he did in the finals, it's hard to, all we do is go back and keep regurgitating. Like he did this, these number of points, these number of rebounds, these number of assists. He played at such an apex of what he's capable of doing. And I'm not expecting him to do that every single night. Um, but I think he's going to have total control of like, I've been the MVP twice. I did took care of everything in the finals. I won the title, carried the team, my back came back from this injury. I think the, the vistas are wide open for that guy. So I think he's going to be, especially playing a lot more confidently role players. They'll be fine throughout the regular season and then they'll disappear and not make a single three in the playoffs. That's just tradition. So that's, that's my expectations. Put some respect on Pat Connaughton's name. Sorry. My bad. My bad, Pat. (laughs) He's Pat part of the big four. Yeah. Let's oh. not talk about a big three. Let's talk about a big four, please. Um, yeah. I'm not, I, I almost feel like the pressure actually, uh, after the Nets series, I feel like they had enough confidence, honestly, to carry through and do what they did. It felt like coming back from 2-0 in that series and then somehow pulling out a game seven on the road. That that was definitely the one that I felt like they had, they kept being down five with two, three minutes to go. And after they were able to somehow pull that one out and not just, I sort of assumed they would just end up losing by 10. They would start missing shots, all that kind of stuff. But instead they pulled that one out. I felt like that was a real pressure breaker and allowing them to play a bit more confidently. And obviously that didn't preclude them from, you know, crapping the bed in, in a couple different later games, game four Atlanta, I'm looking at you, but um, you know, we'll have to see in terms of how it's going to have them play more confident. I'm not sure about confidence, potentially, you know, maybe there's always the, the Giannis free throw thing. Maybe that will be slightly improved if, if that happens next year. I can't imagine it changing much how, how Chris um, or Drew play all that much, but it could be kind of interesting to see. I, I think I'm leaning towards Riley. We're seeing if it, maybe it'll help Giannis improve in the season ahead. Was had another good question about the team's defense, wondering if we will continue to experiment like last year or lock into how our playoff defense, defense went and switch up our schemes. Also asking where any predictions we have for where we think we'll rank in the regular season. So for reference, I think last year we were right around 11th or 11th or 10th in terms of regular season defense. So how do you think they're going to approach it this year, Kyle? I think about the same. I, I think they're going to like ranking wise, they'll probably be around because you still have talented players out of defensive end. You still have Drew. You still have Giannis. You still have Brooke. I mean, I don't know what Grayson Allen's going to provide, but I mean, if he just does the Dante doing stuff and not getting completely torched you'll be fine so i think they'll still be around i think and i also think they're gonna toy with some things as well obviously they're maybe not gonna go as switch heavy um because of the loss of pj tucker maybe they you know tweak some of that and try and find a way to make it work with the players that they have but uh, i think there'll always be some experimentation but i don't think we're gonna see anything drastically new like we did going into this previous season but I would say they're still going to be around 10-ish, maybe a little bit higher, just because, like I said, you still have Brooke and Giannis and Drew. And if you have those three in your starting five alone, that's that's good enough to get you at least top 10. Uh, it's tough because, like, I think we were, we are going to keep experimenting. We're going to keep doing, like, zone occasionally, switch occasionally, drop occasionally. 
part of that is going to be personnel. But last year, it felt like, uh, not that it wasn't purposeful, but because we didn't have a training camp and so much of it was like Drew just hurting people around, it was hard to be like, well, we're experimenting because when the hell else are we going to like work on this? So yes, we are going to experiment, but I think the uh, success rate is going to be a lot higher this year. I mean, even just think about the minutes for Bobby Portis during the regular season, you go out there, you're like, I don't know what we're going to do here. I mean, he, he sort of gets lost in space and there were still times in the playoffs and the finals where he did, but he seemed a lot, like much improved in the finals, for example. And so I think we are going to get experiment insofar as we're not going to just say we are a zone drop team and that is all we do. Um, we will change it up, but I think we'll have much higher success rate because I think we were like 10th last year. So I think we'll probably, yeah, top 10, maybe top seven. I don't know about top five, uh, it's just hard to tell how hard we're going to be going on that end. So I would say top 10, top seven would be realistic. Yeah, I'd say probably rank around there too. I, I am curious how they're going to, because there are quite a few, not a ton, but there are a few different players that they obviously have. They need to find out who's going to fill potentially the PJ Tucker role in a small ball lineup. They need to see how viable uh, against a lot of teams Portis is potentially as more of a, a switchy guy on the perimeter. Um, curious how how often they'll be going to that so zone i mean they'll do it to throw it out after a timeout I, I doubt they'll go to it much but i i'm i'm interested to see how the switching goes because theoretically dante you know was going to be a key contributor last year and the switching defense i thought never looked awesome with dante and i'm curious to see how he will he'll fit in given some of his uh, you know lapses off ball. So I'm curious to see how that's going to go. So I'd say, yeah, they'll probably experiment like they did as opposed to locking into whatever um, they did in the playoffs. Cause in the playoffs, they also switched up their schemes quite a bit. And um, I'm not sure what other experimentation they would do. Like I, I'm not expecting bud to go like box in one or whatever the weird shapes are that Nick nurse does, but like I, I expect him to kind of do what they did in the playoffs and maybe refine it a little further. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like, it's going to be hard to know any drastic changes. I mean, there, and I'm not someone that studies enough film to like notice it. I'm sure there's going to be people out there that will see the differences, but I think there, yeah, you have to keep experimenting. You can't keep the same thing. Otherwise it's going to get found out as Bud learned, you know, in the bubble, once people figure out how to exploit it, they kind of were able to take advantage of it. All right. We've got some player specific questions here. This one comes from old resorter who will start. For Dante, and he also had how many games will Dante miss? He's supposed to a come lot. back. There's maybe January or February, they're saying, so probably half the season, maybe a little more. And I'm I'm not really sure. But uh, who, who do you, Riley, who do you have starting for Dante? This has been so hard to think about. So I already wrote last week a piece comparing uh, Dante and Grayson Allen, just like based on their numbers. I could have done a little bit more on like their catch and shoot because was his follow-up question, uh, wait, a question about who's going to take the Forbes role. So that's from stone age, but like, I think we'll probably end up going with Allen because Pat is a tested commodity off the bench. You know exactly what he's going to bring. You know, he fits with everybody, you know, you can rely on him at this point. Uh, Allen, it, it seems counterintuitive because like, okay, well, why wouldn't you go for the guy who you can trust? I think the imperative of having all these other rotation guys that are going to get mixed in with whoever the second guard is off the, or whoever the first guard is off the bench, that's going to force us to want to have somebody like Pat who will know what the hell is happening to get like a Rodney Hood, a Semi Ojale, um, those kind of guys mixed in. So I think Grayson Allen will get the start in place of Dante. Um, 
unless he t- turns up in his total ass in training camp. But I would guess him just because they're they're close enough statistic profile wise, and if he, he's a better three point shooter, so it'll kind of be like going back to West Matthews a little bit, where it's like just stand around in the corner and shoot threes for the most part, please. So it is a stylistic difference, but I expect Allen to be the one. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be great to know. I also want to be surprised with George Hill potentially filled in. I think it will allow him to have more on-ball duties that Drew will probably want to not have. So I can I can definitely see George Hill potentially being that option. It's just more of, can he rely on someone at his age and who hasn't really? I mean, he knows the system as well, so kind of like what Riley was saying, like you could have him off the bench and kind of lead everyone else because he should know it. Still, I mean, obviously the dunker spot is a new wrinkle that was added after he had left, but I, I could see George Hill, but probably Grayson Allen, just in terms of the profile, in terms of you also want to see, do we even want to, like, he's going to be a free agent, or at least he'll be a restricted free agent after this year, so it's kind of a, what do we do with him, and do we want to keep him, kind of, it'll be a nice audition as well, so I could see Grayson Allen or George Hill taking that spot. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add. I think you guys covered the two primary players. Uh, goes into Stone Age's question. So let's let's assume Allen starts uh, with with Dante sideline. Who's going to take the Forbes role this season? So a bench player coming off to shoot the ball primarily. Any ideas, Kyle? No idea. I I legitimately have no ideas just because <laughs> Jordan War would fit that description, but I don't know if he's going to be a guy that Bud's going to consistently call on for 10, 15 minutes. So I. I don't know if anyone's going to take that Bryn Forbes role. The closest person would be Pat Connaughton, but we that'd be the closest person I can think of. But I don't, I don't think anyone's going to fill in that role. Uh, the way that uh, Bryn Forbes played, that's very hard to replicate just because he's a little guy who like was a very good weaving off ball. I think that's a hard skill to replicate. There's a reason why he was so successful with us. So uh, agree that we're not going to get somebody who's exactly the same. Uh, but if you were to pick like, 10 to 15 per game getting open to shoot the ball. Rodney Hood, maybe? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if Muscle's Jesus, if he's going to be out there working for like getting open with the ball. I have no idea what Semi Ojale even does. So open question. I have no idea who's going to fill the Forbes role. I think the, the system is going to be flexible enough where it could be, you know, there's not going to be somebody who's assigned to that Forbes because of the way he plays. That's just he very specifically can play one role and one role alone. Uh, I think there's going to be maybe a little bit more flexibility. So it'll look different when you're trying to fill that uh, minute gap now. Yeah, I think the benefit of some of the guys they brought in is that you don't need someone to be just a Forbes, right? Because this he was essentially completely reliant on other players. And if you gave him the ball, it was basically a black hole. So I, I think if you, you'll have some opportunity for other players, maybe Rodney Hood is, is the best person for their semi- I don't expect him or Shemi. I apologize. I need to look up how to actually pronounce his name. Um, I don't think he'll be really, he's definitely not as adept at Forbes at doing that. So I I think they'll, I think they'll have a couple other players who are doing the 10 to 15 minutes and they'll have, it won't be quite as uh, relegated to such a limited role as Bryn Forbes had. Um, All right. Next question. This is from Ben Reagan. What do you expect this is what do you expect to be the biggest t- disappointment next season? You could also do who do you expect to be the biggest disappointment next season? Um, you can go answer that one either way. Uh, Kyle, any leaders in the clubhouse for uh, biggest disappointment next season? I guess depending on what your expectations are, um, I can definitely see the Jordawara, Diakite um, people that want them to get minutes. I can see them being very disappointed. 
uh, thinking that they deserve a chance and Nader deserve a shot. And again, based off of the summer league, I don't. There's not really a lot that's going to maybe change Bud's mind, uh, especially if you're looking at he'll probably go ten deep. So you have your starters. You'll have George Hill. You'll have Pat Connaughton. You'll have Bobby Portis. So that's eight already. And then you're kind of looking at Ojale and Rodney Hood as well, which is like nine and ten. So it's going to be really difficult to kind of see who's going to take that. So I guess he would be those two could be otherwise. I I don't know. I feel like it's a little. I do wonder, will Milwaukee, knowing that they don't necessarily need to be the number one seed, will they continue to kind of just treat the regular season as more of experimentation and then hope for the best? Or do they realize like, hey, we had a game seven against Brooklyn. We don't want to have that situation again. So maybe they go for it. So I think there's going to be some, I, I think that's going to be the biggest disappointment is will Milwaukee go for the one seed again? Or are they going to be content with just, again, getting the th- two or three seed knowing, well, at least we can go in there and beat them. But I, I feel that just could be a little bit sour, especially when they have games where it's just like, they just throw the scrubs in. I would, I'm going to guess my biggest for a person, my biggest disappointment was probably going to be George Hill. Uh, because he was already sort of old when he was here the first time. And we got, I mean, a lot of good minutes out of him. No disrespect. He was, he was really good for us when he was here. Uh, I'm just like any sort of older guy. I'm like waiting for the bottom to drop out. And if you're going to be the ostensible, probable lead guard off the bench, uh, that's a big role to help fill minutes during the season and into the playoffs. So hopefully he's capable, but I'm, Worried about that. And then in terms of like just for the team generally, maybe not so much mentality of are we going for the one seed, but um, the way that our depth is set up right now, if like this is the way for any sort of team, I mean, important player gets hurt or whatever. But even like if a George Hill gets hurt, I mean, who's going to be like the ball handler off the bench? I, <laughs> I have not a clue. And maybe we'll, we'll probably find a way to get past that. But I, I think we're loaded in a way roster wise where if like a brook gets injured i mean he's an iron man so not likely but if somebody gets injured even bobby it's like okay well this really we have a drop off from like our top eight onward um so i I guess that would just be my one concern is like any sort of injury is going to really put us in a hole pretty quickly yeah i had i don't even know what his expectations are but i Rodney Hood, I guess, might be the biggest disappointment because he could just be completely washed given his Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. The actual disappointment for the team, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna try to ride high this whole next season. Hopefully, everyone else can try to. I this whole off season, I've just, I mean, I kept watching replays of the different plays today, even, and it still gets me just as excited. So I'm gonna try to not be disappointed by almost anything next year. Hopefully no one else has to be either. Um, all right, this one's uh, this one's comes from Sweb Sweb, and then I also tacked on a second part to this question um, for myself. Which of the new guys will have the biggest impact this season, and which of the new guys is most likely to be traded midseason? What do you think? What, what do you think, Riley? Guy who will have the biggest impact, I would guess Grayson Allen. Um, if if he gets the starting nod just because uh, Dante, even though he didn't score a whole bunch, he did have some pretty specific roles that he fulfilled for the team as like the catch all do whatever guy. So uh, probably of the main guys, Allen, 
Uh, guy most likely to be traded out of the new ones. Again, I don't know. Like Rodney Hood is salary filler, I'm guessing, would be, <laughs> would be my guesstimate. Um, yeah, I, I think Semi, uh, just because he's healthy, will keep him around as a healthy body. And if Rodney Hood just not able to keep up, then, yeah, he might just be a toss in the trade sort of guy. So. Yeah, I think um, Ojale is definitely going to have um, – I think I honestly think he could have a big impact, and maybe that's just more the role that he's potentially going to have. Uh, I feel like he's going to be the one where if Boonholzer decides to go switching, he's going to kind of be like that key guy. Not necessarily saying he's going to replace P.J. Tucker, but like he's the guy where it's like, okay, we're going to go switching, and Ojale is going to be the guy that's going to have to like be a vital part. I just think defensively he's going to be more the one I'll have an impact. Grayson Allen, I think offensively will be the impact guy. And then Rodney, I also agree. Rodney Hood, I guess we get traded just as trade filler. I I can't think of any of the new guys. Like, I don't think they're going to trade George Hill again. I think that <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know how the fuck that's going to end up. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say Rodney Hood as well. Yeah. I don't know. New guys, biggest impact. Probably Grayson Allen, I guess, most likely, given he'll probably play the most. Most likely to be traded. I don't know. I could maybe it's it could be maybe, maybe it could be semi. I feel like I I keep getting excited about him, but I have no idea what he's going to be. I mean, he couldn't he didn't even get off the pine for the Celtics against the Nets last year, so I have no idea. Maybe he just needs a change change of scenery. But we'll well, a lot of see. people need a change of scenery from Boston. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, uh, next question. All right, this is from Woz. Woz. Bobby Portis, does he continue to improve with us? Mostly his defense can improve. Not sure about his three-point percentage. We were talking about this earlier. You know, how much room to grow is there for Bobby Portis still in Milwaukee, Kyle? I I don't think he's going to necessarily grow, and that's not a bad thing. I think he can still maintain what he did last year. I think he can still do exactly what he did last year, and that's totally fine. I mean, for him to improve would either have to make him a good defender or – one of the best offensive players in the league. I, I think that's what it would take for him to improve. And I don't, I'm not saying he can't do it. I just don't see it. And that's totally okay. Like if he can just do what he did last year, that's perfectly fine. I have no problem with that. So I, I don't know. I think his defense will get a little bit better as he gets more time with Boonholzer system and also will have a training camp to learn it. But yeah, I, I think, I think he'll do exactly what he did last year. And I don't think anyone's going to have an issue with that, but no, I don't think he's going to improve. Yeah, the the only way I could see like improvement would be like was said if his shooting numbers like his percentages kept up and he had a larger usage rate. I'd have to go back to look at what it was like during his little sojourn to New York, uh, how he did in terms of like what his role was and his usage. Uh, but I can attest to the fact that I didn't have like a sterling. Uh, perception of Bobby Portis when he came here he was like he's like semi Ojale or like Rodney Hood I'm like I don't know maybe maybe it'll work out and ended up just striking <laughs> striking for us this time so um yeah I, I think it'll help him at, like with a lot of guys this year of having a training camp to be able to get a little bit better flow in terms of how the defense works I think he plays very much in his own style offensively uh he's only 26 so he's going to be able to do like the running down the court thing to break up defenses so i I don't think the offense is going to improve all that much which is fine uh and defense 
it, there'll probably just be fewer bloopers more than anything. Fewer like total like brain farts like, oh crap, I'm like totally out here on myself and we double somebody who doesn't need to be. So I expect that to improve. Yeah, hopefully hopefully if they figure out to employ him and don't have to ask him to do drop quite as much, I think that'll I think that'll make his defense look like it's it's significantly improved. I think they found a good way to unlock him. So Hopefully, we'll have to see. I mean, especially given the sort of writing on the wall as a potential longer-term contract after the season for more money. So, ideally, you would hope that there's maybe a little room to grow, but I think we're all sort of seeing a hard ceiling here potentially for Portis. But uh, obviously, good to see his growth in the playoffs, of course. So, all right, let's move on to some bigger uh, NBA-related questions we had from folks. This is from G. May. Uh, Which top four team from each conference performs the worst? I think think he meant from last year. And so I pulled the the top four teams from the East last year, Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, New York. And in the West, it was Utah, Phoenix, Denver, and the Clippers. Uh, any prime candidates, Kyle, for teams that are going to perform the worst this year? I mean, it's clear with these, like the Knicks. I, I, <laughs> it's it's got to be the Knicks. Not to say that Philly won't give them a run for their money, but if Philly does a <laughs> smart thing and ship out Ben Simmons, then Philly will be okay. But... I, I don't like the Knicks did really well last year. And I think a lot of that was first year Thibodeau effect. And as things grow and I think other teams like the Hawks and maybe the heat will do a little bit better. I mean, granted the Knicks finished fourth by tiebreaker against the Hawks and they were one game ahead of the heat. So it's not like they were drastically higher. So I would say for them on the West, I could see Denver depending it just depends on how jamal murray's recovery goes like if he's not fully 100 percent, i can see utah not utah denver being that team and i guess the clippers also have Kawhi leonard's injury situation so I'll, I'll say denver not to say that they won't still be a good team i just think the loss of jamal murray will have an impact i so <laughs> the point about um philly it, it's what a condemnation of the Eastern Conference that the New York Knicks were the fourth best team last year. What an awful conference we play in. But if I was to agree with Kyle and just ship the Knicks off to nowhere land and it's just Philly, <laughs> Brooklyn, Milwaukee, by far as Philly, how much longer can they keep this Frankenstein experiment going? Honestly, how disrespectful to, to us, the viewers, for them to try and trot this thing out again. Again, they're doing this. <laughs> Uh, so I, I think it has to be Philly. Nobody's happy there. Oh Tell me God. which what player in Philly is happy. Literally nobody. It doesn't seem like. I mean, I, I think Embiid is happy enough because he's getting paid a lot of money. So it's like I'll deal with it. Like the paycheck came in is like, okay, all right, I'll be all right. I mean, the marquee signing was like Andre Drummond, and we did get that video of Joel Embiid having to like <laughs> greet Andre Drummond at the training center, <laughs> which is amazing. So maybe that maybe that'll be what sparks them. But I am not impressed by Philly uh, over in the West. Um, yeah, I mean, like uh, Utah, they a lot of these teams is like just keep on keeping on. Probably, I would guess the Clippers, right? Because Kawhi is not going to be there at all. And like, if you're not going to have Kawhi, that's like a pretty big part of your, uh, your whole thing. <laughs> no, notice Paul George has been like, okay, in the regular season. Uh, so, but I would think out of those four, um, it, it is strange. Nikola Jokic, he won the MVP. I forgot that he won the MVP like two minutes after he did it. So I think he will play really well again to anchor Denver. I'm not sure if Paul George can do the same in Los Angeles to keep them afloat. So I would say the Clippers out of those four would be the worst performer 
Yeah, I appreciate the Philly slander. I mean, George Hill, noted great guy, goes there and immediately his game falls to shit. So, like, I think that tells you everything you need to know about. I we do have to we do have to ask. So, this is our usual weekly Philly update. How how are people feeling on the ground? Are they excited for Sixers basketball to the next iteration, the next era to begin? Oh, I think it was a. I forget where we were going. We were going to. We were going on a trip like a month ago, so we're in an Uber to the airport, and they had the guy has sports talk radio on, and like, you know, Bucks won the championship. Sixers have been out for you know two and a half months. Eagles training camp has just started. I heard three callers call in, and the first thing they all the first thing two of them do when that when it comes on is they say, "When are the Sixers getting rid of Simmons? We just got to get rid of this guy. This guy's a toxic." <laughs> Toxic player, and he shouldn't even be around. When are we trading this guy? I I trade him for CJ. I trade him for anything. So they're feeling uh they're feeling real good about Simmons out here. I mean, it was it's crazy. That's all they want to talk about. It like, like and they love the Eagles out here, but man, they really hate Ben Simmons. So uh, I don't and know. You, I, and you know what? He hates them too. So it's it's, I was gonna a, say, it's a mutual. No feeling. one's happy. <laughs> it, it's it's crazy to me that Daryl Morey's like, we're just gonna play kumbaya. Like, yeah, that that worked really well for all your great personalities in Houston too, my man. Yeah, good work there. Daryl Morey's like, oh, I actually couldn't swindle a team for this. like no one wants to give up a lot for Ben Simmons. Like, it's not like he's a terrible player, but it's like I'm not giving up first round picks and like my second best player for Ben Simmons. Like, no, I'm not doing that. You can have a, you can have a second round pick at 2040. Like, sure. This is is the Liberty ballers podcast. Now I'm so confused where they're coming from. Like, I remember when Simmons signed this huge extension and I think it was Bill Simmons was talking about like, Oh, he could flip them to like new Orleans for like 30 first round picks. I'm like, what insane person would ever do that? I mean, I know everybody like still likes to hype themselves up about the potential of Ben Simmons. Hey man, maybe he's just who he is. And it's not like he's a good player, but not a wonderful player. I've always been very confused by it. It seems like there's a mass disconnect because like the player that he was coming into the league, he's like had some okay seasons, but it's just, I've never understood where people have been coming from on that. I'm like, Like, he's a really good defender. Like he can defend it. The thing with Ben Simmons is you can't make him your guy. You can't make him the guy. And you can't have him be the number two guy if your number one guy also demands the ball a lot. So then it's like, all right, do we make him a number three? Like, I don't know. He's a guy that needs the ball but doesn't shoot. There's just a lot of flaws with Ben Simmons. It's kind of like a Bradley Beal, Russell. It's like a Russell Westbrook. Like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I don't don't want to say that um, Sandro is... Ben Simmons, but without the defensive ability, but like Very all close. I'm saying is if you squint, is, if you squint, some of those saying is one of them is willing to shoot. Yep. Hey, that is true. That is true. One is willing to shoot. And one of them was slinging dimes that Ben Simmons could only dream of, except for that was basically, I, that's what I don't get is like Simmons, his first whole summer league thing were all these crazy passes. I don't even know where those have gone. Uh, anyway, Tough look. Good Sixers. Good Sixers talk. Good Sixers. Good talk. Sixers talk. Um, I, I still think the Knicks definitely will be the worst out of all those teams. Uh, for the other one, I think definitely not the Jazz. I don't know. I could see the Phoenix if Chris Paul gets hurt. I, I mean, maybe they'll have some sort of baseline, um, but I guess the Clippers are probably more likely. Um, all right, here, here's a good one. We always love talking about the old Central Division. This is from G May again. How do you see the Central <laughs> Division playing out? 
How many times um, are we the defending champions of the Central Division now? It's got to be three seasons, three seasons in a row now. I'm guessing. I'd have to go back and look. I'm on. Why well, look that up, I'm, Kyle? Do you have any takes on that? <laughs> oh my god. Um, you know, Riley <laughs> always say like Giannis and his like merry group of bums. It's the Milwaukee Bucks and their merry group of bums. Is that's what this division is? <laughs> I don't know. Like. What is there? There's the Bucks, and then there's the Bulls who are going to con people to thinking they're going to be good. Yeah, that's not that's not going to work. The Bulls, like, yeah, the Bulls did stuff, but maybe they'll get them a playing game. The Pacers, I, I mean, you would think this team would maybe be better, and yet they're just not good. And the Cavaliers are bad. The Detroit Pistons are bad. Like, I don't know what to expect out of this division. Like, you could ask me, you could say any of these teams will be the second best team, and that just means that they're going to win at most 32 games. Like, they're, it's it's crap. It is a crap division. It is a bunch of bums. I can't believe we're going to have to deal with playing these bums, you know what, 16 times? Ugh, that's just, that's 16 two games. Too many. I'm not covering any of those games because it's going to end in blowouts every time. It's good to know. Thank you for letting Adam know ahead of time your coverage yeah, schedule. Uh, I, don't worry. I already penned myself in for all the Pistons and Cavaliers game. I know no one else wants to sign up for those. So. <laughs> um, yeah, the division sucks. Um, it'll be us and Indiana as a very distant second. Uh, and then we – so, like, everybody's, everybody's hot pick is going to be the Bulls. I think what we need to remember, what we all collectively, when we go to bed tonight – Whenever you're listening to this, when you wake up tomorrow, repeat after me. They are the Chicago Bulls. They are one of the sorriest franchises. They had Michael Jordan for I don't even know how many years. And ever since, it's been just one long train of misery. And that's what it's going to be continuing forward. Uh, I'm happy that they're going to try and make whatever they're doing work. It's not going to work. I, I hate to break it to the Chicago fans that are listening. They're not going to work. So it's going to be us, Indiana, Chicago, and who cares? It's probably Detroit and then Cavaliers is what I would guess. But it honestly doesn't matter at all. Yeah, I. it really doesn't matter at all. It's a, t- it's a tough look for the Central Division. Uh, I don't think the Bulls are going to be much better. It's sad that their only win they could get last year was against Scrubs. That's the only loss we had in the division last year. Yeah. Um, all right, it didn't count, division. so it's fine. Didn't count. All right, Jimmy. <laughs> so we see the Bucks pulling that one out again. Um, all right, this one. This one I thought was interesting. Break down the Eastern Conference alphas and do a pecking order. So basically, the alpha on each team in the Eastern Conference. Um, I can I, I can start if either of you need a little time to pull it yeah, together. Yeah, I got to think on this. Okay, okay. So I started off with one. This is uh, okay. This is annoying, but I'm doing one and one A are Giannis Durant. I think they're pretty close. Um, I wouldn't put, I'm not putting one over the other, I think, because Giannis is two-way skill, but I think they're basically one and one A. I'm curious how you guys will feel about this. I have Embiid after that. And then I have Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, (laughs) Bradley Beal. Uh, Lamelo <laughs> Ball, okay. Julius Randle, Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> I didn't go any Dude. further. Dude, I, look, I, I'm not gonna. It doesn't diminish at all what the Bucks were able to accomplish because that one A is a really good alpha. But I mean, the Eastern Conference is not like Sterling basketball from top to bottom. It drops pretty quickly. 
<laughs> uh, that, I mean, your list feels pretty definitive to me. I think, so I would say Giannis won uh, because, like I said, the two-way, I think it's too valuable. He does too much. Everything runs around him. Uh, Kevin Durant is a very deserving number two. Embiid, I guess, is number three. I don't know. It depends on how overweight he shows up to training camp. If he is in relative shape, maybe him, then Trey Young. I, I would drop Jimmy down a couple of pegs. He really did not help his stock. And, <laughs> and then and then they tripled down and paid him even more money. I, was, I know they didn't have any choice, but like, come on, come on, guys. What are we doing? I was not impressed by what he did in the playoff series, so I would knock him down a couple of bunches. Maybe Jason Tatum goes above him, but it's it's slim pickings once you get past like the top three for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest first. You win the title, you get first. Um, as good as Kevin Durant is, very, very close second. Embiid, I have third because I feel like they wanted to give Embiid the MVP last year, but he got he got hurt, so that <laughs> took him out. It was kind of like kind of like what Riley said, like I forgot Jokic won the MVP. It's like it's not that Jokic wasn't deserving. It's just like it was kind of like no one wants to give it to Giannis again, even though he had a great year, and no one and you can't really give it to Embiid because he was hurt too long. So I have Embiid three. I have Jason Tatum fourth. I have Trey Young five. You know what? I, I will put Malcolm Brogdon ahead of Jimmy Butler because you know what? Malcolm Brogdon may not be available, but when he is available, he might not get outscored by Brent Ford's a whole series and maybe has something going on with Rachel Nichols who got her ass fired. So, you know, when you're kind of associated with that, getting outscored by Brent Forbes and the Rachel Nichols thing, you're going to get knocked down a lot of pegs. So I guess I'll put Julius Randle ahead. Yeah, I after four, it does not matter. It's like it's a whole steaming pile of Ugh, after after Jason Tatum at four. Uh, I get okay. Trey Young at five and then a steam pile of ugh. Kids, this is a great lesson. This is why you always ask for feedback. You don't do something in a vacuum. You ask for feedback from folks because you you, you miss out on something like this. This this was a, a fright train staring me right in the eyes, and thankfully Kyle and Riley uh opened my opened my eyelids and helped <laughs> me see it. Move Jimmy Butler. So he's he's now off the board. Um so he yeah, he's down. Kyle Lowry maybe is the elf on that team anyway. No, he's um, not. No, he's not. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, there is okay. no alpha on that team. Let's All right. Just... <laughs> no alphas. All right. We Okay, we're going to move on to some miscellaneous questions. Um, there's two questions here. This is from Harms. What, what's an alternate jersey you want to see? Are there any, any jerseys, alternate jerseys? They could be original alternate jerseys or blasts from the past that we definitely want to see. Kyle. I would like to see the '80s, like Irish rainbows. I, I it's weird because I feel like when we talk about Bucks jerseys, there's obviously a large contingent, you know, purple and green. That's what we grew up on, so you have that, and then you have the '70s, which they did give a throwback for that one, and obviously win a title, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all that. I feel like the '80s jerseys are always quietly just not brought up in Bucks history as much as they should. I would like to see them bring back that style. I mean, they took like the Irish rainbow and like incorporated into the current jerseys, but I think just having one like that, whether it's the alt, like the green and lime green or the green and red, just something from the eighties, I think would be really, really cool. And if you're not going to give me that, then for God's sakes, give me my nineties bucks head alternate greed. Give me, if you're not going to give me the eighties, give me that. But yeah, I wouldn't say let's, let's give the eighties some love. Like I feel like those bucks teams in the eighties deserve more love than it gets. Uh, if I cannot describe to you how pissed I was when I, so we had our really, our trash bag 
forest green, like before the rebrand jerseys, right? And they were awful. Let's just all agree. They looked bad. When I went back and saw the 80s, I was so pissed. I was like, what? We had some of the greatest jerseys I've ever seen with the red and the Irish rainbow, and we just went away from it? I was like, what are we doing? Especially when we went back to green and red. This is David Dud 21 to Tony World Presents territory, so I'm not going to step on his territory. But uh, I agree. I would love as a nod to one more connection to the championship team, that one picture of Kareem with like the forest green, it has Milwaukee and cursive on red on the front. I would love something like that. I want so desperately to get away from our font right now. If we can get a one-off where we do something like with in cursive with the city name, oh, I would love that. Uh, in the green, I really don't think they're going to go back to green, red. It seems like that's not in the cards. So if they're going to avoid that, I don't know what colors, but I would love one more shot at green, red. Let's connect to the past championship team one more time, please. You could literally make the red just a cream. Just do that. I'd rather they just do the red at that point if you're going to go for the bits. It's whatever. We'll see what they do. But do do we have any favorites among? Let's let's go. Okay, so we have we have the Mecca jersey. We have the sort of '70s white uh, callback, and then we had the the wave blue ones this year. Do you guys have a did Did you guys have a favorite among those a couple alternates we've gotten? Um, Guys, I really like the Christmas. I really like that Christmas Mecca one. Like I very much enjoyed it. I wish they would have had that more. I kind of regret not buying one. I, I think if they had done that, that that one I think has been one of my favorites. It, it was just a very nice look, and I, I do miss it. They were all awful. I hated it. <laughs> oh the the Mecca one, the Mecca one was the most creative by far. I get what they were trying to go for. The execution was awful. I would have rather they play on the Mecca floor and just do a throwback uniform, personally. Uh, the Christmas one that Kyle mentions, hilarious. All they did was literally the exact same design layout as the Mecca one, and they just changed the colors. That's like, and it looked so much better. <laughs> well, and they, they had like the over the like the left chest, the left pack, like triangle, triangle, side. And they did that for both of them. Uh, come on, man, with the creativity. And the blue ones missed me with that, too. So I hated all three of them. I did not like any of them. Yeah, the, I, the, the in retrospect, the Mecca one is was kind of interesting. But it always kind of felt to me like, do you guys ever get those like basketball cards that have a piece of the court on it? And it's just like the one of the worst looking mm-hmm. pieces of the court mm-hmm. that you got. Yeah. That always kind of reminded me of what the jerseys look like. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea what alternate I want them to do. I didn't mind the blue as much as, as I think some people hated it, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they, what they do this, this next year. Um, all right. They had a chance with the blue and they completely botched it. I never want to see blue again. Yeah. But the, yeah, but the color, the letters look wet when they're on there, when they're in motion. You remember that? Dude, I, no, don't, I don't remember it. what it was. I can't remember what it was, but they had the rollout of the jersey. And if you went to the website, basic grammatical errors all over the rollout page. I'm like, how how much money does this team not spend on its marketing team? And I totally get first first person, first draft. Okay, it happens. No big deal. Can we pay somebody for 15 minutes to go over the page one more time and spell like I don't know, like shop correctly or whatever the issue was. I was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. It this really so was. Milwaukee Bucks. It was if they had put out a good jersey with all that crap with the Rollins, like the team's future is like hanging in the balance, and you're just like throwing <laughs> teasers, and it's like guys need to read the room. And then the jersey sucks, and now I'm like, okay, now we also have this trash jersey. Like if it's they had just 
had a better jersey. I think it would have been fine to do all those teasers and make, make it worth it. And maybe this is because I am a fan of a soccer team who have never missed on a jersey, but good lord, that jersey stunk. And like the teasers just pissed me off. I'm now remad. We need to move on. <laughs> it's hard for these design teams, I'm sure, to come up with a new jersey set every single year. I don't even get like what the calendar is for it because it's like earned one year, then city the next year, then like whatever the next year. I don't get that at all. So I think it's just we're pushing to the limits of like what design teams can really come up with. So anyways, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, and then we, we got word that um, Ted Davis is retiring and as well. And Jim Paschke is, of course, t- retiring. Um, this question is from 30 Point Buck. Who takes over for Paschke? Hey, any ideas, Kyle? I, I legit don't have a great idea. I feel like Zora Stevenson will probably be the one that eventually gets it. I just don't know how much m- the Bucks, Oregon, Bali Sports are going to want to like go all in right now this year i i'll say zora just because i can't think of someone outside that would a get paid enough from bali sports to take over and b would be a good fit because it's also like you got to be able to work well with marcus johnson and marcus johnson seems like a chill enough dude that he could work well with anyone but I think he's going to, I think Marcus will stay one more year, coach Zara up, and then Zara will fully, by midseason, Zara will be the person. I, I actually think it might go the other way. I would, because of Zora's, um, obviously her basketball playing experience, I think she might be valuable as like, if Marcus after this year wants to move on, which would be totally, you know, in his purview, I think she might be an interesting like color choice. So I think it'll be a by committee thing. They'll probably, not an inkling at all who it'll be who will replace Paschke, but I think they'll get somebody legit to take over Paschke's job. I think Marcus will be around for another year. And I think uh, with Zora, she'll probably do sideline. And then maybe for the days that Marcus is off, maybe get mixed in. Just no more Steve Novak, for God's sake. Milwaukee Bucks, Bally Sports, whoever makes these decisions, stop doing this to us. This is a crime against all of us does not seem like Steve Novak is a great hang in general. So if we can just, <laughs> we can, we can salute that guy out of here. That'd be great. Uh, I, I would much rather see Zora on the one-offs for like road trips or whatever. Um, and it's like, you know, we happen to ha- I have to imagine they can get somebody to just do the sideline reporting, like in a pinch or whatever. So I don't know who it's going to be, but I would like Zora to continue to have a larger role. I think she's articulates things well. I think she has a, valuable um inside having played at college level play being with the players for a couple of years or whatever so I, I think she'll have a bigger role i'm just not sure if she'll replace Paschke per se yeah i i have no idea on radio and i don't know any up-and-coming play-by-play people my who's who's the guy that is it dennis krause that does yeah i, was gonna say, I feel like he's gonna be the one that takes i i think he'll it's kind of the same thing with Paschke. it's like i don't know who you're gonna bring in I feel like Dennis Krause was just because he's been around so long that they'll just stick with him for now. Maybe they bring a former player as well. Actually, you know That's what? Let's bring back Stevie Moncrief. Let's bring him back. That's what I said. Bring him back. I think my ideal, maybe they do this as a bridge, but if um, if they were willing to toss some cash at Kevin Harlan, I, I always really enjoy him. He has the ties to Wisconsin with his with his dad, obviously related to the Packers. And so if they were willing to do like a, a more national guy who can still do his national games, if he was willing to do the Bucks, I, I would like Kevin Harlan doing at least some of the Bucks games this year. Adam, have you ever met this ownership group? 
There's no, well, there's no way they're shelling out. The I mean, they shelled out for G- Gus Johnson a couple years ago. Yeah, that's, when they, that's when they were young. Year. That was when they were young and stupid and thought Jason Kidd was going to be the savior. So, like, we all make mistakes. They're not spending money on this person, whoever it is. I will say Van had a good point. Um, he said, if possible, um, having Matt LePay, who does a lot of the Badgers games, he would – I now that I remember him saying that, that would be a good shout as well. Again, I just don't know what the schedule with Badger football and Bucks. I don't know how that will work. Brian Anderson would also be a very great option. He does – he's – works with for TNT anyway. So I think having him come over would be a good option as well. So I guess those are two others you could pick. It's just, again, will ownership want to spend the money on that? Probably not. Clearly we have no more, nothing else to talk about this. Cause we're just throwing out names of random people. Is there anybody <laughs> who's associated with uh, Marquette? Cause that would be the other one. Somebody's already local to the area. I don't know if they have like a technique, like somebody who does their radio or does their, I don't watch market basketball. Could not tell you. I could not tell yeah. you at all. So I don't know. Maybe there would be somebody if there's a radio person from let's Marquette. Just, let's just stick with Zoran Sir Sid and move on. <laughs> I want Sid on the radio trying to describe what the hell is <laughs> happening. <laughs> I mean, you'll talk about moving in a million miles an hour and just like letting it rip. That's what I'm talking about. Um. All right, so there's some suggestions for you. We we have <laughs> really unhelpful, honestly. There's yeah. like no idea. Uh, hopefully, they find someone good. I, maybe I, you know, credit to Zora, but I I don't know if based on her few auditions last year, if I'm ready for her to do the full year. But uh, you know, hopefully, maybe if if that's something she's interested, she can do it down the line. Um, all right, let's do a quick ad break, and then on the other side, we'll we'll close out this episode. So stay tuned. All right, we're back. We're going to do some really quick. Uh, these are going to be real quick rapid fire questions. These are courtesy of JS Online Castaway 2.0. Uh, submitted these for <laughs> for our uh, our mailbag today. So these are going to be Riley. You answer first, and then Kyle. These are which Bucks player would be most likely to dot dot dot. So first one, which Bucks player would be most likely to leave a one thousand dollar tip? Uh, Chris, have you seen how that guy goes in the clubs? He's handing out tips <laughs> to everybody. So Chris would be the first one. Drew seems like a good enough person that he would leave a thousand dollar tip. All right. How about assist a stranger with a flat tire? Uh, this is a skill set that uh, not everybody has, but I know somebody who does Sandro Sandman, come on out here. You got a flat tire to, to he, I'm sure he knows how to do it. So he would be the one. I'm going to say George Hill, you know, he's out in the wilderness. He's, you know, he's probably done with a few flat tires in his days. George Hill. All right. F- uh, forget where they left their keys. Oh, this is a tough one. Um, Diakite. Uh, I'm going with him. Um, oh man, I forget where he left his keys. I'll say Brooke Lopez. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. All right. Pick his nose and eat a booger. Grayson Allen. Dante. <laughs> I feel like Dante would sneakily <laughs> do it. All right. How about be a backseat driver? Who's driving the car? That that is probably like the one question I'll have to ask first. Uh, probably Jordan Wara because he wants he, he could do it better. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, he could probably do it a little <laughs> oh bit better. I'm sure that's not his actual reputation. I'm just being mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably that's probably a good shout. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. How about leave the toilet seat up? Uh, probably Rodney because it hurts for him to have to like sit down and sit back up and <laughs> bend over because this Achilles got blown out. <laughs> you know, am I doing this of, right? Is this going well? I don't know. <laughs> based off of Mariah's comments on Instagram, I can see Giannis being a leaves the toilet seat up and Mariah getting pissed oh, off about yeah, it. That's true. Yeah, that's a good call. Okay, uh, Moonlight is a stand-up comic. 
uh, Giannis and he would be horrendous at it. But Giannis <laughs> would def- because he's Giannis and he's essentially the overlord of the city. Uh, who's going to turn him away? Every every com- comedy club is going to have him for open mic night. Why do I feel like Shemi Ojale is low key kind of funny? What I why do I have this feeling that like he low key might be funny, dude? I'm going to go with him. It's because his Instagram is like so self serious, and it's just images of him being super jacked and working out, which is fine. But like you know, maybe there's probably a you know comedic talent beneath that. I feel like he's oh. just he probably would be funny without trying to be funny. Like I have a gut feeling, like. I feel like we're going to like Shemmy Oljale's personality or I'm going to be completely wrong. It's fine. How about uh, most likely to backpack through Europe? Um, oh, That's a good one. Kyle, do you have anybody off the top of your head? I'm like trying to remember who's on the roster. The Nasus, right He's going to the vibes, the vibes that the Nasus would bring. See, this is where DJ Wilson would have been a great option, but I'm going to He would have been the answer to all of these questions, obviously. So we definitely, (laughs) John Horst took a a huge weapon out of our arsenal with that one. Uh, Yeah, I would probably agree, Thanasis. Like, he has the energy. He can go for days. Like, he doesn't care about, you know, sleeping out under, like, the open stars or whatever. He's he's all good, Thanasis, for sure. All right, how about have a library card? Brooke. Drew. All right, and last one. Have their password be, quote, password, end quote. Uh, probably Dante, because that guy, he gets caught <laughs> slipping on social media all the time. <laughs> hey, my guy, hey, we can see what you like. You know, we can see. What... <laughs> I appreciate you gassing yourself up, but you don't have to like, like, rando dudes talking about how you're going to be, like, one of the greatest players for us next year. Oh, uh, so God. probably Dante. <laughs> I'm going to go Pat. I feel like Pat is... You know he's got a, he's got other things that he's got to work on. He can't think of like eighteen different passwords. No, like he's got to have good. one simple password. <laughs> like you know he's got his he's got a side hustle. That's probably got a complicated one. You know all that security. He's got to have a simple one for his social media. Plus we know with his cameo, he's probably prone to doing something like that anyway. Oh God. Well, credit to Pat. Credit to Pat. Credit to you guys. Those were good answers. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the episode. Thanks, everyone, for sending us these questions and allowing us to have enough to talk about today. I don't know when we'll be back, but uh, in the meantime, go to brewhoop.com for all our (laughs) usual coverage. Follow us on Twitter. uh, Subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Listen back to our old episodes if you're interested. And uh, we will talk to you again soon.